Hello and welcome to episode 48 of A Positive Podcast. Today's podcast is powered by okclarity.com. If you would like to sponsor an episode in honor of a loved one or celebrate an upcoming special occasion or just because you appreciate what we're doing here in A Positive Podcast, please reach out through my website, apositivecoach.com. Today's episode is sponsored in schus in the merit for a complete refuah shalema healing for Tova Baschaya. May Hashem grant her complete healing today. Please keep her in your tefillos as well. If you're curious to hear more about what positive coaching can do for you, you can reach out to me through my website, apositivecoach.com. And you can get your free consultation and see if it's a fit for you. Let's go to today's episode. Today's episode, I have the honor to sit down with Mrs. Sterna Ginsberg. She is the author of the famous book, Your Awesome Self. And Sterna is a mother, a wife, an educator, and she has an impressive knowledge of Tara and Chassidus. We sit down together and we discuss a really important topic on parenting. So many of you people listening to this podcast have reached out and shared with me that you're grappling with the idea of gentle parenting and conditional parenting. And you have many questions. Is it in line with Tara and Chassidus? Is it effective? Is it the correct way? Are we coddling our children? And Sharon and I dig deep into these questions and we came to a greater awareness than before. I know I did for sure. And I really enjoyed the conversation and learned a lot. And I think you will too. I know that you're going to gain a lot from this conversation. So thank you for listening and sit back, relax, and be ready to grow. It's such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Um, I always call you Sterna, but I, to me, you're always Sterni Ginsberg or Sterni. Fine, they both okay. work. <laughs> and this is our second time sitting together, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to be here. And I know you're not an expert on any of these topics, but I value your opinion. And I wanted to have this conversation. This topic specifically that we're talking about today has been a topic that many people are grappling with, and I've gotten feedback from a lot of listeners that are curious to hear more about this topic. Specifically, they're looking to help bring some clarity to this idea of what feels right for them with regard to parenting styles. And um, right now, many parents are practicing the gentle parenting style. And they are getting pushback from other people, which I'll talk about soon. But I just I want to talk about, first of all, I have to start from the beginning. What is gentle parenting? And I want to just say that I know that you're not a parenting expert, and this is not necessarily what you usually talk about, but um, the way you view the world, the way you talk about Hasidus and Tara and how to bring it into our day-to-day life is something that I value. And I, I think that you could bring some clarity to this topic as well, besides the fact that you're a parent as well. So you have life experience. I think so every this, parent is an expert parent. I love that. Every parent. It's true. We have to trust ourselves. Why do you say that every parent, why do you say that every parent is an expert parent? I mean, every parent is professional because that's what we profess to do. We parent. So we're all professional parents. That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) Yeah. It's good to see ourselves that way because it's, we need to trust ourselves. Anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, no, it's good. I love it. I don't call it interrupting. I call it a conversation. This is a conversation. So so let's start off just explaining for those that are listening. I'm sure everyone knows, but I'm going to just get into it just for a minute. What gentle parenting is. Okay. So gentle parenting is an approach to raising children that emphasizes respect, empathy, and communication between the parent and child. And it prioritizes building a positive relationship 
between the parent and the child. And it focuses on understanding and meeting the child where they're at, their, specifically their emotional needs. And typically it involves avoiding physical punishment, controlling our children, um, instead of using positive reinforcement, like, oh, well, let's, I'll get you an ice cream if you finish your dessert, if you finish your dinner, rather we, we, we focus on natural consequences and redirecting the child's and guiding the child's behavior. And parents that practice gentle parenting, they also are aiming to model positive behavior themselves that they want their child to learn from. And they use language when they speak to their child that is respectful and supportive. So basically overall, Gentle parenting is aiming to create a nurturing, safe, respectful environment for children to grow and develop with the goal of raising children that are emotionally healthy and confident in individuals. They, you know, and basically is we were not raised with gentle parenting. Our parents got compliance out of us. And I'm not knocking, I want to say this again, I am not knocking our parents or our parents' generation. They did what with the best that they could in what the knowledge that they had at the time. And for us, we and, and it worked for many of us. It also worked, didn't work for many of us as well, which is another topic, but it did work for some of us. And our parents got us to comply. They didn't necessarily get buy-in. So there are different parenting styles, but gentle parenting style is something that is the rage right now. But there's also a lot of pushback in the in not only in the secular world, but in our in our from world as well. And the main question that I really want to dig into and really get your view on is in your opinion. Do you feel that this approach of gentle parenting or, 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 or unconditional love parenting, whatever they call it, um, isn't in line with the values of Tyra and Hasidus? And if so, and if you think that they, they are in line, how do these values inform and support these, this parenting style? Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. First of all, it's always a treat to listen to your podcast when I listen. And, um, and it's really an honor to be with you here having this conversation. Is it okay if we back up for a minute? Because I think before we could talk about where we want to get, like before we talk about the best way to get somewhere, let's talk about where we're going, right? What is our goal as parents? What are we trying to accomplish? My absolute favorite story, my favorite parenting story is one that Rabbi Lou shared. He said that, once when he was in Yechidas, he asked, he told the Rebbe um, that, you know, when he comes home from work or come from a long day, he's on shluchas, not regular work, but coming home from a long day, being out and, you know, the different challenges that he was facing. And sometimes he's, he's, he, he's, I don't know the, I don't remember the exact words, but a little bit on edge and would get short tempered with the children and would hit them on occasion. And he asked the Rebbe if that was like, what would the Rebbe say about that? And the Rebbe said, would you do that to your neighbor's child? And he said, no. Question. Yeah. And he said, no. And the Rebbe said, your children are Hashem's children. And we should not do to our children what we wouldn't do to our neighbor's child. And certainly not to Hashem's child. To me, that, that's my favorite parenting story because it says it all in one sentence. It's like, what are we trying to accomplish? And what's the best way to get there all in, in one? Because what we're trying to accomplish is we're raising Hashem's children. You know, the standard, um, the standard view, right? The standard answer that we tell everyone when they have a child is right? to raise a child, to love Tyra, to, to buy in to Tyra, to have a healthy marriage, to be able to be, have a healthy marriage, 
and 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 to do good deeds and to make the world a better place. Like that's what we want our ch our children to do. So I think that when we're coming from that perspective, it changes the conversation because now it's 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 it puts it in perspective. Because I think that if um you know if if someone's coming to this from a place of fear of like oh I just don't want to do what my parents did because I'm afraid that my parent my my child will be damaged. I think anything that we do from a place of fear is 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 not good is not is not healthy it's not our best self you know if we're coming to us from a place of escape I, I i don't like rules so i won't have rules i don't like healthy food so let's do pizza i don't like being yelled at so i'll never yell all that is we're coming from a place of escape we're running away instead of running to or running toward something and I, that that cannot take us anywhere meaningful. That's that's where, where are we going? How can we get to where we want to go if we don't even know clearly and have a vision of where we want to go? So I think that that to me like changes the conversation. Love that. You know, does that make does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that resonates that very right? much. Yeah. I, yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree with it more. I think it's important thing to look at our intention first. So then what's what what's our goal from a place of so if we're asking does gentle parenting align with Hasidus, what is the goal of parenting as of, of Hasidus? What what is the goal and what is the model of parenting in Hasidus? What what are your what are your thoughts on that? Or should can, should I just keep please? Talking? I'm I want I want to hear your thoughts on that because that's okay. that, that's that's that but but I do I, I agree with you. I think that like what you said initially with the Rebbe said is that one thing that they are Hashem's children and one guiding light should be that we should parent them with that in mind, with that intention. Right. So everything that you said about gentle parenting sounds 100% right with me. It, it resonates with me because I feel like, isn't that how we would want to relate to any person? You know, don't we want to role model healthy, meaningful communication? Don't we want to be speaking meaningfully to our children, to everybody? And, and you know, don't we want to inspire rather condemn? <laughs> don't we want to empower our children and build them from the inside rather than just controlling them from the outside? Right. Of course, I, I, I agree that we all want our children to do the right things. But if it's all about behavior, we're lost. And maybe the difference between our generation and, and the generation preceding us is I think that maybe there was a a focus on doing and now we're into being and and that's not a negative thing that's a that's a positive thing that's a closer to mashiach thing you know we have in, in previous generation we had to do the right thing despite how we feel and now our children and i think ourselves too we don't want to just do something despite how we feel we want to transform the way we feel we want to bring our heart along for the journey we don't want to leave our nevisha bahamas behind I feel like when I listen to classes of Tanya that were taught many years ago, it's like the the the, the Nevisha Bahamas, our physical human self is not in the room. You know, it's it's in the corner, right? But I don't know that that's a shita. You know, that that's not a shita. That's not like a that that that's just because that is how that was where we were up to collectively as a community, as a generation, as a people in our journey towards Geula. And as we get closer to Geula and we're in the Geula generation now, it's like there's no part of us that's not coming along. We need you every think whole to, be to, to come along.
Thank you so much for listening. We're going to take a quick break here for a message from our sponsor, okclarity.com. Okclarity.com is the place for any Jew, no matter how religious you are, to find a top-notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or nutritionist. And it's completely free. And their professionals are vetted, and they have extensive experience working within the Jewish community. So if you're in the market for a therapist or coach, check them out at okclarity.com. If you yourself are a provider and you're looking to list yourself, check out okclarity.com. I know that I've been recently listed, listed as a coach on OK Clarity as well. Also, if you're interested, OK Clarity has an amazing WhatsApp status or group with thousands of followers, and their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health, and they post great humor, so you're going to laugh too. So if you have WhatsApp, shoot them a message, and you can be added as well. It's in my show notes as well. So check out okclarity.com. You know that you won't regret it. Do you think that when you said, like, when you listen to classes of Tanya from years ago, do you feel that they were teaching Tanya, though? Because when I learn it now, it is about bringing the Nefesh Bahamas into it. Isn't that the whole idea of becoming a a vein in these struggles? Not, I mean, we're not able, not all of us are able to be tzaddikim to to basically turn our our Nefesh Bahamas into, you know, like really get rid of it completely. We're not at that level. Our goal is to be a vein in So I always, I, I wonder sometimes- I what 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 were we thinking back then? Was it? <laughs> Imagine going to a cooking class where nobody plans on becoming a cook. Right? We went to class on a bain and had to be a bainini, and nobody ever imagined becoming a bainini. Yeah, it was it wasn't a thing. It's to the ludicrous. point that that, right. that to the point that when I'm but, teaching Tanya now to my community into my the my in my ladies group, we're doing a Rosh Chodesh society. I literally have to rewire my brain to look at it different than the way I, I taught it, and I'm like. Why didn't I know this though? Like, yeah. how did how did I not know this? So I know this is a different topic, but it's just bringing this up for me as well here. Yeah, but I think that it was a different generation and the Rebbe really brought us to a different place. And I don't think that they were missing anything in that generation. That was the time of doing. It was the time of doing. It's, we learned it in context of doing mitzvahs. That was 100% what it was about. Doing, doing the right thing, doing mitzvahs and not doing Averis. And now it's like, doing is just not enough. We want to be, we want to bring along our hearts. We want to not just do the right thing despite how we feel, but let's feel. And, and, and then when we look at the time, you're like, that's really what the Alter Rebbe had in mind all along. It's, it's not anything new. It's just like we talk about Iskafia versus Ishapcha, right? Self-discipline, like holding back, saying no to ourselves versus like transforming and changing our relationship with the thing, right? And and it was never, the the Rebbe told us that in this generation, we're up to that place of his hapcha. As we get closer closer and closer to Mashiach, you know, that's where we're up to. So so I think that is directly in our parenting, where a behavior model, like you said, maybe it worked. But today, behavior, to me, it's like it's the surface of the child. It's like almost irrelevant when I'm looking at a child and looking at their behavior. The behavior, it's like it's like seeing an it's like seeing the peel of an apple, and 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 treating it as if you're seeing as if that's the whole apple. It's just the peel. It's literally nothing. It's like it's the outermost layer of who they are as a person, you know. So it's to to, to, I, to deal I, with I, with that to make our whole relationship about parenting about behavior is really to 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 be so limited and limiting. 
I, I like that example. That's very, I want to go back to one thing you said about the idea of, we don't want to leave the Nefesh Bahamas behind. We want to take him with us. We're more about being and not doing. What would it, what does that actually look like? Can you just give me an example, like in, in a real life scenario of what does that look like to even like what you, you said, despite our feelings, we did it anyway, we pushed through, we did it. So what does it look like to be doing ishapcha in that, in that sense? I don't feel like it, but I'm doing it anyway. Can you get, tell me what that looks like? Can you give an example? So let, let's, let's, let, let's talk about it in terms of parenting, right? Right. Okay. You know, if, if I don't want to clean my room, if I didn't want to clean my room, my mother would say, which I would say exactly the same thing, right? It doesn't really matter how you feel. Just do it. I don't really need, I'm not asking you to feel. <laughs> just you know, clean your room, <laughs> right? That's not what, it's not what this is about, right? I just need you to clean your room. But, and that's fine. You know, we need to learn, I think, as people to do what we need to do, even when we're not in the mood. Because if, if, if I only do things when I'm in the mood, I would be a dysfunctional human being, right? Right. I wouldn't be, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I, I need to know how to accommodate and, you know, take other people into consideration and conform, adjust my needs to other people's needs and other people's moods and interests, right? So, so that, so that's where, you know, there's a place for that. At the same time, to live that way, like if my child never could feel that sense of appreciation of like, wow, I just did something that was hard for me. And I, and look, I enjoy it. It's such a good feeling afterwards. If we can't get their heart on board in a general way, in the, in the bigger picture, then you, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a sustainable model for life. It's, it's, it's just not, it's right. For ourselves also, it's like, if I'm only doing, if I'm, if I'm wearing a shaitel because I must, you know, it's not, it, let me, let, something just popped into my mind. You know, the Luchais were on two, there were five and five and two on each side. And the first five um, don't make sense. And the second five make sense, if I can use it that language, right? The yeah. first five are Kabbalah's all is just accepting Hashem's rules and authority. And the second, even if without Hashem, we would know not to steal because of moral obligation, right? So and and why Hashem could have just made them on one long list? Why did they have to be specifically on two sides? So Hasidus tells us we need both equally. We need Kabbalah's all. We need to know that we have to do the right thing despite how we feel. And at the same time, we need to feel. We need to inspire ourselves. We need to be energized, motivated, and inspired. And, and, that's, and that comes through. In, so again, from a parenting perspective, that comes from engaging in our with our children from a place of inspiration and 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 a conversation that teaches and inspires and motivates and encourages and builds and nurtures all that stuff to get our children to feel connected with whatever we want with the values that we're trying to teach them yeah that's does that answer the that, question yeah i think so <laughs> i think it's an actual great answer because it's not just one yes no it's you gave examples for it as well so i, I think that um and, and it brought up some other questions obviously um <laughs> because you said this idea of kabbalah sal that we need to have a we need to have some level of kabbalah sal which is which is a great a great point because gentle parenting typically if, you know avoids punishment or consequences right instead we use um you know um, natural consequences may happen, obviously, and you you don't you don't you don't avoid that. And 
again, in, in Yiddishkeit, we talk about this idea of you know, reward and punishment. Um, so there are reactions to our actions. Right. So, in, so if we're avoiding in gentle parenting, you know, if, if my child comes over to me and tells me to shut up or while well, she's having a tantrum in another, another parent watching may say, who doesn't necessarily practice gentle parenting may say something to the effect of, you can't let your child get away with it. They need to learn that that's not okay. You need to give a punishment for that. You need to punish. So how else will they learn that this is, um, you know, uh, even um, I listened to Blimi Heller in a podcast, she was explaining her take on gentle parenting on a podcast. And she was saying like the, the, the guy with the, person interviewing her asked if this child, my two-year-old is running into the street, I, I have to punish them. I have to like teach them. So she was making case like he didn't do something because he just didn't know better. You need to teach him to not do it. But this idea is how do we teach? If I give him a, 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 a potch, a frosk or a slap, then he'll know never to do it again. So this is, you know, so this question comes up a lot. Like, but in gentle parenting, we don't do that. So again, back to what you said about Kabbalah Sol. If we need to teach our kids Kabbalah Sol, if we're gentle parenting and we're about their emotions and how they feel and not focusing only on the peel, but rather on the, 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 the whole apple, as you said, how are we going to teach our children about Sarvainish or consequences? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So reward and punishment, that concept of Sarvainish, it's a fact, right? It's not a model of our relationship with Hashem. Like in the list of Yud Gimel Ikreimona, the 13 principles of faith, it's not number one. It's not even, I don't, I don't know what number it is, but it's its not the first three for sure not, right? It's, a, it's not a model for our relationship with Hashem at all. It's not a model for parenting. It's just a fact, right? So we need to know that there's such a thing as reward and, and punishment in this world, right? It's good to know this fact. It's important to know this fact. Of course, if we think about the fact that there are consequences for our behavior, we'll be motivated, you know, to, to, to honor that knowledge. But it's a fact. It's just something we can know. It's never meant to be a model of parenting. And we say the word frask. It's like, Baruch Hashem, it's not part of our language. You know, it doesn't have to be. Rabbi, Rabbi Yochan had this funny story. He used to say, of a guy who goes to the theater and there's a person in front of him wearing a hat and it's blocking his view. So he asks him, could you please take off your hat? And he's like, no, I have a shita. I wear a hat. Whenever I watch a show, I always wear a hat. So he's like, a few minutes later, he's like, he's bothered again. So he taps him on his shoulder. Can you do mind taking off your hat? He's like, nope, I have a shita. This is my philosophy. This is my approach. I wear a hat. And, uh, and and he asked him again, and finally he got so nervous, he took his hat and he whisked it, he like threw it off his head. And underneath the hat, there was a mat, there was, his whole head was bald. And he's like, you don't have a sheet, you have a bald spot, right? This is not a philosophy, this is a bald spot. And Rabiel used to teach us that like a lot of times we have something empty inside of us, a weakness, a shortcoming, an emptiness, we create a shita, a philosophy, around it so reward and punishment if we're coming from a behavior perspective and we don't have any what are we going to do we need we need to change the child's behavior and we, we only see the behavior because we're not seeing anything else the only thing we have is bribes threats charts prizes right control manage that's all we can do 
that's we look inside our whole toolbox. You know, years ago when I would read parenting books, it was all about what to say so the kids will listen, right? <laughs> what are we gonna say that the kids how to have that conversation? I remember thinking whenever I followed those scripts, my kids never responded <laughs> the way the book said that they would respond. But it was all about what to do to get your kids to listen. And I think it's the same thing in our marriage. A lot of times people will ask me, what should I tell my husband to get him to? There's no magic words to say to get someone to do something different, right? When we're in that mode of, of, of reward and punishment, it's only about control, manage, be, you know, threaten and bribe. But um, I think that that became a model just because we didn't have anything else, but it's a bald spot. We have something else. It doesn't, it's an emptiness. We do have other ways to inspire our children to do the right thing. I'm not one of these people who says, well, let your kid run into the street, chas v'shalom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you don't want to punish. But is, is punishment even the way to get a child to learn to not run, to not run in the street? Or do we want to sit down and have a conversation? My daughter shared with me, um, Peril, her, when her child was two, two and a half years old, she had to give him medicine. And, um, and of course, he's not going to like the medicine, right? So what is she going to do, right? So she was on her way walking to her cabinet to see what kind of nosh she's going to give him as a prize for taking the medicine. And her husband's like, why don't you just try to explain it to him? So she sat down, took him on his lap, two and a half years old, okay? And said, you know, he, she explained, right? Remember, right, you have a boo-boo. And we, right, we went to the doctor and the doctor said that if we eat this yummy, this icky thing, the boo-boo is going to go away and Hashem is going to make you feel all better. So what should we do? Like, can you, can you, can you eat it? Can you take it? And he understood. He's like, oh, okay. And then she said, yeah, and it tastes very icky. So right after we have this icky thing, I'm going to give you something yummy, like chocolate chips with a little orange juice to wash it away. He took the medicine, no problem. He didn't need a prize. He didn't need to threaten. He did not need to be forced. He's, he was happy to take the medicine. You know, every time she wants to give them vitamins or something, it's always like, okay, it's icky yummy time. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just, if you could, and if it work for a two-year-old, it could work for any, any child. We don't have to force. We don't have to threaten. We don't have to bribe. Now, if a two-year-old would, after that conversation, still not want to take the medicine, would we not, you know, have to bribe them or force them? Or absolutely, because they need to take their medicine. Right, but let's remember that that when they're 14 years old, there's no possibility for controlling. Try controlling a 14 year old. Try controlling a teenager. It doesn't work. It doesn't. It just doesn't work. But but if we spend our whole early childhood controlling because it's easy and it works and it's possible and it's and it's and it's when we're in a rush, it's just like that's our default setting. So let's just do that because you know we we don't have time to have the conversation. We do, but we we think we don't. Right. Then when the child is 14, what do we have left? We have nothing. And I think that's a big part of why we're losing children. And I, I don't mean to say this in a way of blaming parents or, or you know, I, 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 I forgive myself for, for being that kind of parent. And I think that, you know, I think that every child as they grow, you could have the most amazing parents and your parents could do everything right. And every child has their own journey and is responsible for their own choices and their own, you know, it's, their, it's between them and Hashem. Post bar mitzvah, really, right? 
So I don't take credit for my children. I don't take blame for my children. I don't think anybody, any of us parents could because every child at the end of the day is their own person, right? At the same time, if we're looking at this from an objective point of view, what can I do differently as a parent? I wanna try to engage my child in a relationship. I don't wanna relate to the peel. I want the whole apple, you know, because I wanna have a connection. I don't wanna have a behavior centered approach. I wanna have a relationship centered approach, a connection centered approach because behavior control, how long does it last? And a connection, a relationship really, it lasts forever. So then how are we gonna teach them the idea of Kabbalah Saldo? How are they gonna learn that? I think inherently every child wants to do, wants to please the adults, right? And, and wants to do the right thing and buys into Kabbalah Saldo. Meaning if we, how, how are they gonna buy into listening to us? Put it, let's let's start with that. How how would a child why should a child listen to me if if I'm not forcing them to? Right? But I think in every question there is a statement. And the statement of like, if I don't force, how am I going to teach Kabbalah Salt? The, the statement in that is that the only way to teach acceptance of authority is if you force it down the person's throat. That's the statement. There's so many other ways to teach authority. We want children to embrace the authority we want we we can buy into Kabbalah Sol. I bought into Kabbalah Sol. that's the only Kabbalah Sol did not come easy for me it's an Avaida it's something that I work on and it's something that I want to work on because I know Hashem is good and I trust Hashem so I want to I want to bring Hashem into my life of course and that's the entry point in our relationship with Hashem we need Kabbalah Sol. I need to accept Hashem's I need to accept the fact that Hashem is beyond my understanding and I trust Hashem to know what's good for me, right? Otherwise, what makes him Hashem? What makes him God? But with parents, to bring that right into our parenting, if the only way I can, I can influence my child, if I can get them to see me as an authority is by me forcing them to do something that they don't want to do, then that is honestly is pathetic. It's pathetic because if we, you know, we want to mop to me, you know, I, I, I feel like I missed this in the, in the first, when we were talking before about like, what is the model of Hasidus and what is our, 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 our ideal version to talk about, like if gentle parenting aligns with that to me, it's like, if I want to raise a child to love Yiddishkeit and to love Hashem, right. And to buy into Torah and Mitzvahs and Kabbalah Sal and all that, the whole thing, then it's got to be happy. It's got to be a happy place for them. It's got to be something that they that is that's a happy, safe, nurturing space. So to me, you know, I want to regulate and I want to be a role model of that. You know, so yeah, we all have a Nefesh Bahamas. Basically, you know, let, let's put it back into the model of the Nefesh Bahamas, okay? Because we all have a Nefesh Bahamas. So my Nefesh Bahamas doesn't only tell me my, I'm going to call it my human self, okay? Or my animal self, my, my, my primitive, you know, animalistic desires, my natural instinct, right? But let's just call it my human self. My human self, it doesn't just want to do mitzvahs. It's not, it's not bad. It just wants to be comfortable. It just wants to do what's easy, right? So if I recognize that, then from that space of wanting to be comfortable, 
when my child doesn't behave, doesn't do what I say when I say, it's uncomfortable. You know, it, from the perspective of my human self, I want to be liked. I want to be liked, right? From my godly self, I don't need anyone to like me because I'm already loved. I'm already good. I'm pre-affirmed. I'm pre, you know, I'm, 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 I'm valid, pre-validated, you know? So I, I have that everything I need inside of myself. But from my human self, I'm very insecure. I need my children to like me. I'm afraid of their tantrums because that makes me into a failing mother. You know what I mean? But from that place, I need them to shut up. Excuse my friend. I need them to stop crying, to stop complaining so that I could be the good mother. I can see myself as a good mother. But that's, again, it's so limiting. And what do I teach? What am I teaching my child? I'm teaching my child that to get what you want, push other people off, you know? Right. It's, it's not a way. Someone told like my husband that. something very interesting. Somebody, in other words, it's not an effective way. It's not a way that works, actually. And, and by contrast, when we recognize our own triggers, our own insecurities, our own fears, our own need for approval, and we take that up between me and Hashem, that's my Aveda, that's my personal Aveda. So my children will trigger me, but my personal Aveda between me and Hashem is to engage with them from a position of connection, from a position of dignity and respect, not just for them, but for me, for my neshama. You know, my husband told me something really interesting. The other day in Shoal, someone came over to him and said, I want to tell you what happened to me today. He said it was driving down in Bar Park, I think down McDonald Avenue, it was by a light and he was waiting to turn and there was a guy behind him also waiting to turn. And for some reason he couldn't turn, but the guy behind him thought that he could. The guy behind him is beeping and beeping and beeping and beeping and like was getting really frustrated that he couldn't turn, but he couldn't turn. Anyways, he made the turn and the guy like swerved around him with like a screech of his tires and got in front of him. And then by the next light, got behind him and, you know, and then he took a bottle out of his window and he threw it at his car. And, uh, and, and this guy, the, the first guy who, who, you know, who waited by the light, <laughs> who didn't turn as fast as the other guy wanted him to, was like, okay, fine. He got back at me. That's it. We're done. Anyways, but the guy still followed him. And eventually the guy who was so angry got out of his car. They, they, like he pulled over to where he was going and this guy pulled up right behind him and he got out of his car with raging anger, all because he cut, he didn't turn fast enough. So the first guy, he was a brave, I guess, because I would be afraid, but he got out of his car and he stood up and he looked at this guy and this guy starts, Aah! he's like, whoa, he, he looked at him and he looked literally, it's an Italian guy, right? He, he looked at him in his eyes like, what happened to you today? What, tell me, what happened to you today? And the Italian guy melted. And in a very high perfect high Yiddish, he said, He wasn't an, he was not an Italian guy. He was a Yid. <laughs> what happened to you today? What happened to you today? <laughs> Such powerful words, but it's so true. It's so true. I was behind a bus and by a long red light. And I see in this bus boys bullying another boy. 
and one kid beat up another kid. And at first the kid who was being beaten up was standing there very defiantly. And at one point he, he finally started to cry. And at that point, as soon as he started to cry, the other boy started, stopped hitting him and everybody went away, the show was over. And I was thinking, imagine that kid just got beaten up on the bus. He's coming into his house. What is the first thing he's gonna do? He's gonna drop his briefcase on the floor, throw his coat somewhere else, walk over to the baby and smash the baby's head into the floor. That's exactly what he's gonna do. And his mother, if his mother is coming from a behavior perspective, she's gonna be like, Michigana, what, what's going on? What kind of, idiot, what, what is this? Go to your room, <laughs> right? And smack him up, right? That's, that's exactly what she'll do if she's only uh, from a behavior point of view, right? But imagine if she could say, oh my, what happened to you today? I, I, even if she doesn't say that, if she realizes it, obviously this child is in pain. Obviously something happened. And I'm not talking about teenagers in pain. I'm talking about a four-year-old, a six-year-old. Obviously they're frustrated. So my first question as a parent, if a child is not behaving, is like, what's going on? And wouldn't we want somebody to do that to us? Like if I say something nasty to my husband, wouldn't I want him to, to assume no malicious intent? Wouldn't I want him to trust me and say, oh my, what's the matter? <laughs> Instead of getting all bent out of shape, right? Absolutely, totally. So we have it's, to model that. It's getting harder for me to be playing on the defense because, you know, obviously I'm I'm very pro gentle parenting, but uh, like as we're talking, it's like, yeah, what what possibly could people have, you know, problems with the style of parenting? But I, I want to get back to that for a minute because I, I, you know, this is such a great point and it's such an important point. What were you saying? I think I know. I, I, if I'm thinking as I'm thinking about it now, I think I could say why would somebody be afraid of this? First of all, it's something new. Anything that's new, people are very, you know, scared of something new. Well, all of a sudden, we're talking about emotions. You know, we're, we're taking our children's emotions seriously, actually. We're treating them as people, not just as things, right? Our relationship with them, we're, we're not interested in transaction, go, get, do, come here. It's not a transaction anymore. It's a transformation of a relationship. It's building a connection. So it's different. It's new. And some people might be a little bit insecure about that. Like not just, oh, because I don't know how to do that, but like, where is that going? Because we all see people who take their emotions too seriously in the sense that they get locked into their emotions and become prisoners of their emotions. And we, none of us want that, but it could be that somebody from the outside who's looking at this very objectively, like they're not in the game, right? They don't have children, young children to raise right now. So to them, it's like they hear this language. Why are you taking your child's emotions so seriously? You're asking them what they think. Who cares what they think? Who cares how they feel? Like, since when is that even relevant, right? And if you take them too seriously, they're going to end up being, you know, that that's where the, 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 the protests on the street, the rioters, and, and that's where the people sitting in, in, in therapist hours and nothing wrong with therapy. I, I'm not saying that in a negative way, but I'm saying that what, what people might say, right? They're going to sit there for 20 years bemoaning the fact that somebody stepped on their feelings, Rahman like, right? So, so the, the, the fact, I always say in every lie, there's always a little bit of a, a little kernel of a something that yeah, yeah. the lie stands on, right? So the little kernel of, of fact in that fear is that it is possible to buy into our children's narratives 
and into our children's emotions in a way that makes them victims of those emotions. You know what I mean? So let's say my child is, 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 and that would come if I am doing this model from a place of fear. If my reason for gentle parenting is because I'm afraid of discipline and I'm afraid of making my child upset because I have no idea where that's going to go and that's too scary for me, then that is completely unhealthy because anything right. that we do, then that's our own insecurity. So it becomes more permissive than, than gentle. That's, and also leads us in that direction. We, we might not be parenting where we need to be parenting. We're not we even not parenting. Be, right, right. <laughs> We're not even parenting. We're escaping ourselves. We're protecting ourselves. It's all about me. Right. It's all about making me feel like a good person because I don't want to feel bad. I remember years ago, I'm saying my, with my first child, I knew I did not want to yell. I did not want to yell, right? So, but I didn't know, I didn't know what I did want to do. But I knew I did not want to yell, right? So, so could you please uh, pick up the toys? Could you please pick up the toys? I would say it nicely three times and then I would yell and I would be like, you forced me to yell. Right. <laughs> he didn't force me to yell. <laughs> right? But if we, if we don't have a, a set, if we're, if we're coming from a place of just what we don't want to do and what we're afraid of, we, first of all, we end up doing those things that we don't want to do for sure. And second of all, Anything that we do from a place of fear is not productive. It's not goal. It's not, it's not taking our children to a place. It's taking our children away from a place. Fear pulls us towards. apart. We have to fear, have direction. Fear pulls us apart. Yeah. Fear pulls us apart. Love brings us close, but fear really pulls us apart, apart from ourselves, apart from our children. And it doesn't take us anywhere. We do like exactly what you said. We need a direction of where we are going. And then gentle parenting is, which I would call healthy parenting, role model parenting, authentic parenting, wholehearted parenting. It's, it's gentle is just one of the facts. It's not even, it's like one detail of it. It's wholehearted, you know? It's, 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 it's oh, what, what I love conscious parenting. I yeah, love conscious parenting. I love but it's that the same, word. And I would say, yeah, the same God idea. Conscious yeah. Parenting. God conscious parenting. I love that. But I want to, I want to pause for a second and go back to one of the things that people say about conscious parenting. Um, <laughs> one of the concepts behind gentle parenting is this idea of collaborative, you know, approach to things. Like when we have, um, we, we figure what the need is, what is the need here? What's the need that that's lacking here? What, which is causing certain behaviors, validating that for them, empathizing with them. And then we get into problem solving discussions with our kids. Um, I did a podcast episode on collaborative parenting approach and the idea that, you know, you come over, you speak to your child, what your needs are, what the child's needs are, what, what, what your concerns are, what their concerns are, and kind of, you come up with a solution together. Okay. So people that are necessarily not necessarily against, but they think that gentle parenting is creating entitled little children. Um, they, they feel that we are coddling our kids, right? Like what happens when they're adults or they get older? And the rest of the world is not as kind and as collaborative. You know, are they going to fall apart? Are they going to feel the need to run to mommy when things get difficult? You know, many people feel that when we are parenting in this direction, this gives them this, they have a lack of preparation for the real world because it's the harsh reality of the world is, is that you're going to have real consequences and you're going to, you could lose money or you could lose your job or you could lose, you know, real 
real reactions to your actions. What would you say to those t- people that are making that argument that about gentle parenting? You know, the statement behind that question is like what you're saying, what I'm hearing, the, the I know I know it's not what you think, but it's what people are saying. Um, it, what that what that what, what they're saying is that basically because your child would will get beaten up by the world, you may as well beat them up now because <laughs> beating them up toughens them up and prepares them to safely negotiate being beaten up. That's basically that's really yeah, that's that's a good way of to spinning it. And that's pretty accurate. I, I, Again, I think that's I think that's very fatalistic. Honest. It's it's um it's a very fatalistic attitude, number one. And number two is it's it's a flawed way of thinking. Because let's take a step back and think what actually empowers a child to successfully navigate challenges and bumps and disappointments, frustrations. What empowers a child to face a frustration or face a disappointment or to deal with pain and stay whole inside? What, 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 What helps them? I think it's if they have a whole self to fall back on. You know what I mean? If they have a whole self inside of them, then that that self becomes a, a inner fountain of strength, of wisdom, of clarity, and even of comfort. So the, I, I really believe that the stronger sense of self we give our child, the, the more capable they are in the world, and including to navigate disappointments. We don't empower a child to deal with disappointments by disappointing them. Because, you know, that, that's counterintuitive. We, we inspire a child, we empower a child to deal with disappointment by, by strengthening them. And how do we strengthen them? It's by recognizing, respecting, and, and accessing their inner self, relating to them from their core, like with respect to their core. It's also, I think, giving them an inner, the ability to have that inner conversation with themselves. For me, I think like if I could teach, if I could teach my child and be with them, whether you use the example of collaboratively, you know, negotiating a difference of opinion, right? If I need something done and they don't want to do it, like how do we, how do we get through that? So basically, how do we resolve a conflict? And right. so, so. You know, when they're going to be married one day, right? So are they, you know, here in in Mirza Shem, or they're going to have adult relationships. They're going to be at work. They're going to have coworkers. They're going to have co-partners in what they're doing. And from this model of like that conflict resolution happens because there's one person who wins, one person who has more authority and the other party's got to listen and obey. Then in a marriage, it's like, I can't conform. I can't adjust because if I if I accommodate your need, then I'm listening to you and I don't want to have to listen to you. We're equals. Wait, you're not supposed to be my authority. You know, they don't really have the tools, but if we give them that language of of conflict resolution, then they could have that language with other people, with other relationships. It's really a lot about modeling. Right. I mean, I, I could see somebody making the argument for coddling for permissive parenting, if you're never letting your child have an experience of, of disappointment, if you're constantly trying to save your child and, you know, constantly trying to fix them and make sure that they don't experience any kind of pain, then I would say that this kind of claim of coddling may be, may be accurate. 
But with regard to gentle parenting, we're not coddling our kids. We're actually, like what no. you just said, we are actually helping them, them, empowering them, giving them tools to be able to work along with other people. They can go to camp and, and it would be a counselor and actually something comes up, they can collaborate together. They could be a counselor with their campers and, and incorporate this idea. They could then become a teacher or whatever, wherever they take it, they can you use these skills and actually we're doing them a favor by teaching them these skills. So I think that's, I that's think, yeah, coddling would be if somebody is afraid of their children's emotions, which is very much what we are when we're in behavior oriented parenting. You know, right. years ago, I'll never forget. My kid came home from school. He had a bag. He had a snack. And he told me that a kid on the bus took away his snack and he was so upset about it. Right. And my instinctive reaction at that point was like, don't worry about it. I'll just give you a different snack. Right. Like I want to save him from being disappointed. I can't tolerate his emotions okay. yeah. because it's, it's like, oh, that, that, that means something's wrong. Something, blah, blah, there's, a, there's an alarm bell ringing. Like something's not right here. There's like, there's a lack of peace and calm, right? I need everything to be perfect for me to be a successful mother. So my instinct was like to, to, to do actually that's called coddling to save him from his disappointment. But yeah. like at that point I was already like, into you know the value of emotions and the value of experiencing it and value of like actually learning how to get through the moment and i looked at him i said oh my that is so upsetting right you know that that's so upsetting i wasn't going to save him from that disappointment you know what i mean i wasn't oh. going to just to be with him in that you know if somebody would grab away my pocketbook i would hate it i would i would really be upset and he's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't mean he's now going to be upset for 20 minutes when we're, when we're understood, it's like a weight lifts off of our heart. It's being, just being so, able to be seen. It's so liberating to be able to, to, to be scared our emotions. And if he would ask me for a snack at that point, could I have another one? Of course I would give it to him. Right, but because then he came up with something that it might help me now to have another snack instead because right. I'm hungry. Right. But it's not like right. you came up with the trying to save him. It's 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 different. It's again it's again it's the same idea where your where your daughter was saying with the medicine. It's not that she didn't say we could have the chocolate afterwards, but it wasn't. That's the only thing to get through this is we're going to have a reward afterwards. But rather, let's talk about it. Let's 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 discuss it. Let's see what our options are. And when you explain it to them, they're able to. Okay, it's going to hurt. The the shot's still going to hurt. I can't make the shot not hurt but I can be empathetic yeah. to them. Um, right. Yeah, when I was younger, the one thing I wanted when my kids would be upset the, or if they're fighting, the one thing I wanted was that they should stop fighting. <laughs> it right. wasn't about learning. It wasn't about, you know, what are they taking out of it? It wasn't about the beliefs about themselves that they're forming in their minds, right? I think that instead of being so concerned by our children's behavior, we should be concerned about the beliefs they're forming in re response to our behavior, mm. you know, because the beliefs that they form as they absorb our behavior, that is what makes them or breaks them. I, I, I don't want to say there's, a, but that's what gives them a sense of self. That's really what builds their, the lens through which they engage with the world as they grow. Absolutely. I, I do want to say, Though this is the part that we have to keep in mind that gentle parenting or conscious parenting or God conscious parenting, whatever you want to call it, that it's messy. 
And yes. that's, that's a big part of it is like you said, we can, we, we have a hard time with our children crying. Why does it bother us so much when we hear a child cry? Like I'm in the store and somebody else's kids crying. It's bothering me. It's uncomfortable. We don't, we don't like how that feels. We want it. Like you said, we want our children to like us. We want our children to be happy. So we can look at the mirror and say, I'm a good mommy. Look, I'm doing a good job. So I can love myself. This is where it right. comes from. But I, I do want to honor the idea that it's messy and it's loud and people judge people. And they come to, the, they will say to you, your house is just so, there's so much emotions going on. There's, it's so noisy and there's, your kids are so loud. And it, and, and I could say, I can relate to that. It, that doesn't feel good. If there's an element of like, almost like, well, look at these other people, their kids just march in line, do what they're supposed to do. It's quieter. Bedtime's bedtime. Mealtime is mealtime. In my house, it's, it's much, it's much louder. Like we live loud. I get the word. So one minute, I, you know what, you know what, one minute, one minute, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but like, since when is it a value to have a quiet house? The quietest space in this world is a graveyard. <laughs> Noise That's is a, a good sign point. of life. True, Noise but there's some that are life. louder than others. There, there are some that are louder than others. And, and, and some people will say that that's, that's, that's hard for them. But I, I think that if you keep in mind, like what you're saying, that it's actually a sign of life and a sign that you're, you're, it's gonna, a house, a house is supposed to be messy. It's an organized clean house is a house that's not played in. That's not loved. I used to value, I used to love and value the fact that my house was clean. And as I got older, I realized like, that's really not that important, Razel. That's just not a priority. Your children lived here. They played here. They colored here. They painted here. Yes. There's paints on my dining room table from last night and the markers out from last night. Yes. I'm not proud of it, but you know what? They were busy. They weren't on devices. They were doing that instead. And that's a good thing. So, I mean, not all the time, but we try our best, but I'm saying that's a, but I think it's an important piece to remember because our, our mothers are going to come over. Our mother-in-laws are going to come over. Family will come over. And my comment, you have to remember that it's supposed to be messy. I think that's the piece. Like we have to also, we have to tell ourselves. And the second thing that I feel like is an important piece and tell me if this resonates is the idea that we need to remember that our emotional regulate, it begins with us. When we're able to emotionally regulate, we're able to then show up and be patient with our children and actually bear witness to their emotions. And that requires a high level of emotional awareness, emotional regulation, and patience. And it's not always easy to do it. it like you're going you're gonna to fail at times. It's oh, hard. You're, you're, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. Every at times. day I'll make mistakes. <laughs> right. So I, I think that's a, that's a piece. Cause we expect like, it should be easy. This parenting style should be like, it, you know, like I should do it and I should get, no, it's not like we're, we're focusing on the behavior. So we're going to see different behaviors all of a sudden it takes time. It takes time to practice this, to get comfortable with it. And it's going to be messy and it's hard. And sometimes we're going to make mistakes and we're human and that's okay. Right. Absolutely. So I just want to say something about this thing that you were saying about people criticizing us for the way we are parenting. I really feel like it's very, it's super important for every mother to have supportive voices, not just in our life, but even in our minds. You know, I used to have a panel of rebutants in my mind, condemning, criticizing, pointing fingers, shame on you for so many different things that I did. I fired the whole panel, literally. <laughs> I, I love that. Fired the, and, and you can't just fire them. You have to bring in new voices into your head. Everybody needs friends. We need to, you know, we need to engage. Obviously we need to open ourselves up to criticism because it, we can always learn from, from, from being criticized. 
you know, we always, we, we want to challenge our way of thinking, but we also need to be supported, supported in our way of thinking and in our choices that we make. So, you know, that's what I love about listening to podcasts like yours, because we need to hear this. It, we really need to hear this. And the other thing, what you're saying about recognizing that it is difficult, parenting is a lifetime journey. It is a lifetime journey. And of course, our job description changes from when our children are very little to when they're adults, right? But one thing that stays the same is our, our, our role modeling and not our role modeling because that's something that we do, but that's something who we are. In other words, uh, we, we, how we relate to our children, how we relate to every person is coming from our own place of our own willingness to challenge ourselves to check in with ourselves. If I am being, if I am showing up in a moment with less than my values, right? I'm showing up to this moment with less my, with, with less than my values. You know, I'm not being kind right now. I can, I can be cheap and say, you know why I'm not being kind? Because you're not being kind. You know why I'm not being kind? Because you're getting on my nerves, right? And you know what? You could be right. Maybe the other person's getting on your nerves, but that's not a Vedas Hashem. You know, you know why I'm not being kind right now? Let me look inside and see what is bothering me. What do I need? What, what am I, what's, what's, what's going on? What am I thinking? What's happening to me? What's happening to me? What happened to me? What am I, what are my beliefs about myself? What am I afraid of in this moment? That's making, that's triggering me. That's making me act in a way that's less than my values, right? So Parenting from that place means my children are not responsible for my mood and they're not responsible for my behavior. I am responsible for my mood. I'm responsible for my behavior. And if we could parent with that from a place of emotional regulation, of course, we're taking responsibility for our own emotional regulation, challenging ourselves to do that inner work. It's very messy inside, never mind outside. It's very messy inside. I have to take responsibility for the fact that I was, I was, I was really upset at something else. And then when my child, and I was really thinking about that other problem and when all my child asked was for a cup of milk and I blew up as if she's been asking for it 20 times or like, really like there was nothing wrong with what she did. She didn't do anything wrong. I was just in an explosive place inside of myself and I need to take responsibility for that. And that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean I'm always going to manage to show up in the way that I want to, but to take responsibility means that whenever I'm not showing up with the values that I want to live by, it's something that I want to work on. It's something that I want to take ownership of. And it's not something that I'm going to blame my children for, or for that matter, my husband. I love that. The last question I have for you is so. None of us were raised this way, okay? So we haven't seen the outcome or the finished product years later of children that have been raised in with gentle parenting or conscious discipline. How can we be sure? How can we be sure of anything? But how can we, what would you say to somebody who asked this question? How can we be sure that we're not messing up our kids by being, I mean, I feel like obviously it's, it's pretty obvious, but what would you say to somebody who, who, who was saying that to you? So first of all, I, I don't think that we don't have anyone who was raised this way. And I don't think that that's true. 
is I think if there's any healthy bone in my body, it's because of my father's gentleness, honestly. Um, and I think that everybody in their life who has any sense of wholeness in their heart, it is, you could trace that back to the gentleness, to the understanding and the word gentle, it's bigger, again, it's bigger than gentle. It's to the love, it's to the understanding, it's the compassion, it's to somebody who really sees you. You know, my father would ask me, even as an adult, like how are the kids? It wasn't a superficial, you know, some people, when they ask you, how are you? It's like, they're just like, it's also behavioral. It's superficial. It's like, how are you? It's like, what time is it? You know, like, yeah. you know, my father would say, how are you? It would be like, he, he's not, it's not, he doesn't mean what are you doing? That's right or wrong. He means, how are you feeling inside of yourself? What problems are bother are troubling you? What's on your agenda? So, and, and I think that that is my healthy bone in me. So I would say the same. I, I think that, yeah, I think that anybody who has any healthiness, um, it's because of the gentleness in our parents. And, you know, one time, actually, my father went to the Rebbe for Yechidus, and the Rebbe, he's, he was a teacher for many, many years. And the Rebbe asked him if he ever gets upset at the students. And he said, yes, he does. And the Rebbe said, do you, do you, do you show it? And he said, no, he doesn't. And the Rebbe said, das is erger. That's worse. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. So I, what I take from that is that, you know, gentle parenting, if you, to use that word, or wholehearted parenting, I don't think we want to protect our children from our emotions. That's not what it's about. But it's about being honest with ourselves about our emotions. The Rebbe didn't say that's bad. The Rebbe said this is ergir, meaning the fact that we're getting triggered is our responsibility. That's our work, right? Now, what are we going to do with it? So if, I, if I explode at my child, I think it's okay for me to say, and I, I, would want, I want to see myself saying, by the way, before when I just like, you know, like went off like that, I'm really sorry. I, honestly, it was not about you. I was thinking about I was thinking about something that was bothering me and I'm really, really sorry about that, you know? And to be able to apologize, some people will say, what, you're apologizing to your kids? No, I don't think, you know, when I'm talking from, a, from, my, from my deep self, that self is untouchable and it's unchangeable and it's not gonna be diminished by me apologizing. Not, it's not smaller because I apologize. If anything, it's expressing itself more, so. Yeah, so we're messy. So, so, we're so what would it look like? What would it look like to be triggered by your students and not let them know about it? But well, my father, right my way. father, my father was one hundred percent chesed. He wouldn't let them know about it, and he kind of would just be quiet. He, when he told the story to me, he said he under. I said, "What did you? What did the Rebbe want you to do?" He said, "I think the Rebbe wanted me to like clap enough the tish, you know, <laughs> bang on the table and say this is not okay." He didn't say, and say, this is not okay. He said, bang on the table. You know, like, right. in other words, to, 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 to yes, allow our children to experience the fact that we're upset. It's okay. We don't have to protect them from our humanness. We just want to show them that we're bigger than our humanness, that we could navigate our humanness, that we could work with our humanness. And that is exactly what we're here to do. That's not, our, that's not a distraction from our life. That is the purpose of our life. 
to work with ourselves, to elevate our emotion, to, to understand our emotions and, and, and change the way we feel by inviting Hashem into our story and into, into our experience. Because that's really the only way we could calm ourselves down other than eating a tub of ice cream, right? <laughs> I love this. It's like nurturing ourselves from deep inside of ourselves is only through God. It's only through Hashem. So then it's okay to tell our, our I mean, I don't know how this would work in a classroom, but in, in, with our children at home, it's okay to tell our children, I'm, I'm very triggered by all this noise. This is very hard for me. Like I, I need to take a step out. I need to, I need to cool down. I need a few minutes to, re, to reframe. It's okay to show them our humanness I, I, because we're modeling again for them that we too struggle with this and we too are, are trying to navigate this. And it's not like, a finished product. It's a lifelong absolutely. journey. That's absolutely. I, I think it's not just okay. It's necessary. I need to. I need to take. I need to. I need to sit down for a minute. I need to process. I do that all the time. Like it's. I think it's it's it's. Uh, you see, Yiddishkeit is not an escape from being human. We can't escape being human, right? It's not about escaping being human. It human. It's about not being limited by our humanness. So it's not about like, let me ignore my bad mood, overcome it and do the right thing despite how I feel. It's about, wait, this bad mood, actually, let me, let me lean into it. Let me explore it. Let me change how I feel by reframing what I think, you know, and what I believe on a deeper level, rewriting the story, you know, that well, well, I'm sorry. One thing that just popped into my mind that I'm really—I said the word story, and I'm like, oh, whoops. When I was talking before about what parents, what what some people might say against this gentle parenting or unconditional parenting, um, it would be validating our children's stories. You know, if 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 my child comes home and says. Let me go back to that story where my child, his snack was taken away by, by, a, by a different kid, right? For me to say, I never on you, poor thing, you know, I am helping him write a story of victimhood, of helplessness, of self-pity, which ultimately leads to resentment and, and, and misery and despair. And it's, and it's toxic, right? It's not, it's not healthy for him. What I want to do, what I think that this is a very important piece, which I know that not so many people talk about, but to me, this is essential. I feel that we could change our lives by changing the way we tell ourselves our stories every single day. And that's such a powerful tool for ourselves. And so when our child tells us stories, it's our mission as parents to help them write happy stories, write empowering stories. So he came home, it's like, whoa, I would hate when that happened to me. But now if that would happen, right? That's, that's, where I, that's where I stopped, you know, it was, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, right? That's where I stopped in my conversation. But if I would have that conversation now, if I could redo that conversation, I would be like, whoa, wow. And I would, I would express my confidence and trust that he is strong enough to hold that disappointment and be okay. Wow. You know, you're, you're holding that disappointment and look at you look at you, you're holding that disappointment and it's so hard, but you're doing it. You can really do hard things. That's, 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 that's amazing. You know? And, and now that you know how it feels, I, I think that what, what, what can you learn from that? What are you taking out of that? What are you walking away with? You know, and sometimes it might be, well, I have to learn to protect my snack better, you know, and that's fine. 
sometimes it might be, well, I, you know, I want to, I, I, I would never do that to somebody else. Right. But it, it kind of, it's our, I, I feel like it's such a big piece that when we are having the conversations about emotions and we are negotiating conflicts and, and um, to not buy into the story that because I feel this way, the other person's, you know, to blame and I'm stuck. You know what I mean? Because I'm having a hard day, it means you're the bad parent. Or because I'm having a hard day, it means, you know, it, 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 I'm lost. It's so, it's so important to be aware and mindful of the fact that every, every experience is so different depending on how we frame the story. And, um, and that's part of our work as parents for ourselves to write every story with our children as, as one of, you know, to, to the story of my day has got to be meaningful. It's got to be, how did I learn? How did I grow? How did, how did I, you know, stretch in new ways? Not who bothered me, who stepped on me, who criticized me, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's a very it's, powerful it's, point uh, to keep in mind. I think yeah. that's really important. And I love that you added that because I think it's such a important piece in the conversation to make sure yeah. that we are not playing into their narratives, but helping them see what they may not be seeing also, right. how they're holding right. it and how they're handling it well, even if they're feeling sad, even if they're crying about it, even if it hurts, but look at you, you're doing it and we could do hard things. Whenever the Rebbe spoke to children, almost every single sicha, the Rebbe includes the inner dialogue. The Rebbe brings the child's attention to the inner conflict that's going on in the child's self, right? The child, the Rebbe says, you know, the child wants to do X, Y, and Z, or comes the Eight Sahara and says this and this and that, and then the child answers this and this and that, right? So the Rebbe himself did not relate to children only from a behavior perspective. The Rebbe inspired children and spoke to children from the from the from that place of like helping them be aware that there's a struggle here, that there's different parts of you leaning in different directions. And here's how you could make your neshama win. Here's how you could come out on top and do the right thing. The Rebbe never used punitive language in, in speaking to children. If you don't do this, you're gonna get that. Never, that was never. The Rebbe lifted us up, inspired us and, and encouraged us and, and let us know we can win. Yeah, yes, it's hard. Yes, there's going to be an inner conflict. Yes, the emotions are going to be messy and noisy. And the, and the reasons, the, the compulsions and the habits and the tendencies, all that, it's tough. It's tough. Here's how you can win it. Here's how, here's how you can do it. In almost every single sicha, the Rebbe validates and taps into that inner dialogue. And I think that's a role model for us of like, you know, that, in that the Rebbe was role modeling to us how we want to talk to our children. I love that. I want to thank you again for your time. This was so great and such a great conversation. I'm sure so many people are going to gain so much from it. So thank you again, Sterna. Thank you because you telling me about this topic gave me the opportunity to think about it more and dive into learning about it more. And, um, and my kids are going to, my children are the ones who benefit from this. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.